0: Hello, welcome back to Habit Helps, a podcast of Creekside Community Church in San Leandro, California, where we are talking about how habits build you and how you can build better habits. I'm Jeff Bruce, one of the pastors here, and I'm joined again by my dad, John Bruce. Dad, how are you? I'm here. I'm here. I'm fine. (laughs) Very descriptive. Thank you. Well, we have been on hiatus for a few weeks. There's been sickness, hospital visits a spate of other emergencies that have come up. And listeners, I promise our intention is to make this a weekly podcast. We're actually trying to make that our habit. And perhaps, Dad, our inability to form that habit demonstrates that we are not qualified to host a podcast on habits.
1: Well, I think we're qualified to talk about it. We just don't do it.
0: There you go. (laughs) A lack of qualification has uh, never stopped us in the past. So we are going to keep pressing on. Uh, with this new series we are doing on the Habits of a Disciple Maker. Last week, we kicked off our uh, inaugural episode in this series, and we were talking about the Habits of a Disciple Maker. We said every Christian is a follower of Jesus, and a follower of Jesus is someone who abides in Jesus' words. Jesus commands us to go and make disciples. So if we're abiding in Jesus' words and we are obeying him, Well, then naturally, what are we going to do? We're going to go and obey his command to make disciples. So being a disciple means you obey Jesus and help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, This is not an optional thing. It's just part of your identity as a Christian. A disciple is a disciple maker. Full stop. So now the hope in the series is to demystify discipleship. We want to demystify this process of helping someone to come to know Jesus and helping people grow in Jesus. So how do you do that? How do you help someone grow in their relationship with Christ? Well, we want to show you how to do it. We're looking at the basic habits, the disciplines, the practices of a disciple maker, and we are using Robert Coleman's classic book, The Master Plan of Evangelism, as a kind of template for our discussion. Uh, Coleman provides a, a great overview of how Jesus made disciples. And uh, like all of the best content we uh, create, it's not actually created by us, it's stolen from someone else. So we're going to steal his content and then add some of our own thoughts. And so last week, we looked at Coleman's first step in making a disciple, Jesus' first step, and that is selection. It's the principle of selection. You have to choose who you will invest in. Jesus chose disciples. We looked at how he did that, and then we talked about how we choose disciples, really how we choose disciples. People to invest in, and we talked about some of the pitfalls and, uh, and problems that come up in the in the selection process. Dad, anything else you want to add at this point?
1: I the only thing that strikes me is that this is universally neglected. Is that that so many believers are unwilling to lay their cards on the table and say, "I would like to help you to grow in your faith." It's it's kind of like dating. Uh, You know, when you date, there comes to be a time that you need to declare your intentions. You need to clarify where this relationship is going, and it's a scary time because things may not turn out as you hope. And so it's easy just to kind of continue to date over and over again but never have the relationship really go anywhere. And I think the same thing happens when when I say to somebody, I would like to help you grow – I'm putting myself under the gun. I'm I'm saying that this is something I'm qualified to do. I'm going to mm-hmm. be held accountable. I'm going to be having to give time. So I think a, a lot of people are are, are um, reluctant to really commit themselves to selecting somebody and then challenging them to, to be be there. But it's absolutely essential.
0: Yeah, that risk component is there no matter what. Right. I remember I tried to make my wife put her cards on the table <laughs> before I put my cards on the table and she said uh-uh you got to define the relationship buddy and that was good that was that was helpful I had to man up and tell her I I like you do you like me back yeah. and uh, that is the the role of faith in disciple making that we have to have the courage to say okay God's called me to do this hey I'd, I'd like to enter into this kind of relationship and um, are you interested in that yeah and I think if you don't set those terms at the beginning, then you're frustrated in the relationship because it, it's not just going to kind of by osmosis magically happen that, okay, now we're really growing in the faith. That you, yeah. you, have to, you have to begin with the end in mind, as we said last time. Exactly.
1: Now, there's risk, and there's risk of rejection, and risk of failure, Mm-hmm. and they're essential.
0: Yeah. So, step one, selection. Step two is association association. Jesus picked people, and then, as Coleman says, he stayed with them. He stayed with them. Mark 3 says that Jesus chose the twelve, that he might be with them. That's the first purpose in choosing them, was just to be with them. And, and that gets to this principle of association. Uh, Dad, what are your initial thoughts on this idea of, of association?
1: I, uh, I love this principle, because it's not only essential, but it makes disciple-making... It puts disciple-making within the reach of every Christian,
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: really, disciple-making is founded on a relationship, being a friend, Mm -hmm. being a spiritual friend. And, And I like what Coleman says. He says, having called his men, Jesus made it a practice to be with them. This was the essence of his training program, just letting his disciples follow him. He was his own school and curriculum. Mm-hmm. And I remember when this really broke through to me, it was my very first year on staff with Campus Crusade, and, and uh, our campus director at Cal uh, took us on a study through Jesus' ministry, um, kind of the same thing we're, we're doing. Yeah. And it, for the first time, I realized that Jesus didn't just walk up to these total strangers on a beach and <laughs> say, follow me, and, and I will make you fishers of men. And because of the power of the magnetism, of his personality, they, they left everything and followed him that Jesus had actually had a relationship with these guys for, for at least a year before mm-hmm. this. And of course, John 1-4 through 4 covers, and the first thing Jesus does, uh, it doesn't really challenge people to do anything but come and spend time with Him. Right. And and to me, that's the essence of, of the beginning of a discipleship relationship, is to be a person's friend and spend time with them.
0: Yeah. That's good. I think of the 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 way Jesus describes his mission in the Gospels. And there's the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. There's the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. And then there's the one we don't often think about, which is the Son of Man came eating and drinking. No. That, that Jesus, his mission is to be the friend of sinners. Right, And as you read through the Gospels, it's amazing how much time Jesus spends just fellowshipping over a meal mm-hmm. with someone else right? How much is communicated through that? Right. and and it isn't a formal curriculum that he gives. And as Coleman notes, that was unlike the rabbis of the day where there's these very rigid um, regimens you have to follow and disciplines and uh, that were part of the rabbinical schools and and instead, Jesus um, focuses first on just deepening his connection with people, yeah. and through that, all of the training, all the influence flows.
1: Right, right. No, he just, he just walked with God and let other people watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, the more time they spent with him, the more like him they became. Right. And, I, and I like the way Paul follows that same pattern in 1 in Thessalonians. Paul's only in the Church of Thessalonica for three weeks, right? and yet he has a, a lifetime impact on them. And he, he, he describes that in Chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. He says, I, we became like a mother to you, right. you know, tenderly caring for you. We became like a father, exhorting and imploring each one of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we imparted to you not only the gospel, but also our own lives as well. And, and I think that's really the principle of association, that that you are imparting your very life to people, you're letting them see how you live your life, how how Christ impacts the way you live, and it, it's something they catch rather than learn.
0: Yeah. And and that image of parenting, I think, is the the dominant image for this principle here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Paul says, right, we were like a mother, we were like a father. He talks about toiling night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you in that passage. So, so it's incredible sacrifice on Paul's part just to be with these people and, and make time for them. And, and that image of parenting, if you're a parent, you know that's that's what parenting's like. There's a lot of sacrifice. There's a lot of inconvenience. But you also know from parenting that your most effective teaching opportunities do not come during the family devotion time, Right. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, that might be the worst <laughs> teaching opportunity a lot of times. You still do it. Keep plugging away. But, but that's not the time when the questions come up. It's, it's when you're in the car and and your kid is dealing with a friend who they disagree with. Yeah. It's when something happens in the world. Dad, why did God allow that to happen? You know, that's when those questions come up. It's when you're putting them to bed and, and your kids start talking about their fears and their anxieties. And, and that is the teachable moment there yeah. where you're able to have those critical conversations and you cannot bypass um, just logged time. Yeah, yeah. That's what creates the context in which those sort of magical moments can happen.
1: One of the things we tell parents, parents will often say, Well, it's not the quantity of time I spend with my children, it's the quality of time. Right. And that's true, but you can't have quality time without quantity time because <laughs> yeah. because you never know when the quality time is gonna happen. Right. You you can't you can't program it. And I think the same thing is true for for making disciples, that the the closer the relationship, the greater the impact you mm-hmm. have. Yeah. I think uh, what Proverbs, I think it's 1320, says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, mm-hmm. but the companion of fools suffers harm. Right. And the people we spend most of our time with will be the people who shape our lives.
0: Right. Yeah, as you've said, it's the books we read and the people we hang out with yeah. who, who really um, shape our perceptions. Yeah. And, and so then, an inescapable truth of making a disciple is that you have to carve out a significant amount of time to be with them. And one of the warnings Coleman gives in the chapter is that if your discipleship strategy as a church is, here's a membership class, here's a training class, here's another class, here's another seminar, um, you're building on sand, essentially, because you are hoping to impart all of this knowledge apart from a relationship, which is exactly how Jesus didn't do that. Now, that isn't to say that training is unimportant, you can have training, you can have a formalized setting, but without the foundation of personal relationship, those things really don't stick.
1: Right. Right. That's it, exactly. I think so much that the disciples watched Jesus and saw how he did things So then when he explained the principles behind how he did things, they go, oh, that's why he does that. Mm -hmm. That's the way he prays that way. That's why he he said that to the Pharisee.
0: Right. Yeah, they caught it, and then they were taught it. Right. As opposed to to having everything sort of theoretically explained to you, now go do it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a coach getting a bunch of people at a table and saying, now here's how to hit a ball. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Let's watch some videos on it. Let's give some training, and now, now go out and do likewise. Right? Go out and hit this, and yeah, you know, exactly. you, you've got to you got to learn by seeing the person do it, and then doing it yourself. Yeah. So, that's good. Well, so Jesus clearly models this. He spends uh, three years deeply investing in, in men, just being with them all the time, and and so we cannot bypass this if we're going to make disciples like the master made disciples, then. Investing a significant amount of relational capital um, and time mm-hmm. is 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 non-negotiable. So, um, I imagine people hear that and go, "Great, spend a lot of time with people to influence them." Uh, that's not going to work for me. I'm not Jesus. So let's get to let's get to some of the pitfalls here, yeah. right? Why 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 don't we make disciples this way?
1: Well, the most obvious reason is we don't have time. Yeah. We, uh, we're just too busy to do it, or at least we tell ourselves we're too busy. It takes uh, anything that takes time uh, and regular time, and yeah. consistent time. We're going to be naturally resistant, too, because we are already feel like we're overwhelmed with time. We're, we're too busy to do this.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
1: and and uh, sure, if, if I lived in a, uh, it's a quiet, agrarian atmosphere... Uh, and and just could just go hang out at the at the uh, corner grocery store or, or you know and out you know and out in the barber shop. This would work great. But right. but uh, we're in a fast paced urban setting. We've got family responsibilities. We've got job responsibilities. Who can do association?
0: Right. How do you how do you translate
1: that into our lifestyle?
0: Yeah. And so I think here's a question. Here's kind of the uncomfortable question. Do you take the cultural norms as your starting point and say, okay, we live in a fast-paced culture, so we need fast-paced disciple-making? Or do you say, Jesus often does radically countercultural things. And so I have to, as uh, John Mark Comer said in a recent book, I have to ruthlessly eliminate hurry (laughs) from my life to make time for just being with Jesus and just being with people. I I guess, you know, how much do you try to adapt your your disciple-making to this crazy, fast-paced culture, and how much do you say, well, you know, I'm just going to kind of be out of step with the culture if I live this way? Yeah. Well, I think
1: the obvious answer to that is if you're seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then the pursuit of God has to determine your schedule, how you spend your time, and all all those things. Right. So... So I have to shape my lifestyle to the mission rather than shape the mission to my lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Good. So I think it's good to just acknowledge at the front end that living this way, giving significant amount of time to a neighbor, to a coworker, to a person in my community group, yeah. um, allowing myself to be inconvenienced by them is to push against uh, the cultural tide, uh, to go against the grain. Yeah. And, uh, that shouldn't surprise us because kingdom priorities often, um, work that way where we're challenged to go against the grain. So then, okay, someone says, great, I'm going to be counterculture. I'm going to live this way. How do we start to live this out in our own life of just carving out the time to really be with people? I,
1: I think first of all, you have to schedule it. Yeah. I think everything in our life is scheduled. And so it's not going to just happen naturally. Mm-hmm. so my neighbor and i we we have been walking three times a week we go for a walk at nine o'clock three mornings a week and just talk about the bible yeah and uh you know that that has been tremendously uh beneficial for both of us as right. we've done the bible but we have to schedule it yeah and that's not always convenient but we and sometimes we have to to reschedule mm-hmm. and, but i but we it, it means so much to both of us that if we aren't able to do it at nine o'clock on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we'll do it some other time during the week. But we right. get it. We get it done. So I think just starting realistically, not expecting this to happen, but but uh, uh, ske- having a scheduled time that you meet together. I think secondly is using things that you would have to do anyway. <laughs> exactly. And invite people to come along. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, I got. I've got to. I got to run down to the hardware store yet. You, mm-hmm. you got time to come along with me. Yeah. You know, or do yeah, you need anything? Yeah, or do you need anything? Right. Stuff like that. You want to go down with me? Do yeah. Some, stuff like that. Yeah. You, you know, I'm grabbing lunch. You, you, have you eaten yet?
0: Yeah, you got to eat three meals a day. So yeah, you find eat, a yeah. way to eat with people. So there's a lot of stuff
1: that we do separately that we could just as easily do together.
0: Yeah. I, I think that's really good. I think I, I think a couple of things I'd add to that is, is, first of all, if you look at priorities in your life, um, think about them in terms of relational priorities just hear the relationships need to prioritize we already do with our family do that with believers in your life and and don't view your commitment to church as a commitment to the activities of the church view it as a commitment to relationships within the church
1: yeah that's good that's good yeah uh,
0: the church is a who not a what yeah and so i demonstrate my commitment to the people of god by being committed to people of god yeah and say, I'm going to invest in those relationships. I don't measure my commitment by how many events I attend or how many activities I'm involved in. Right. Because that's not where the impact is. Right. I'm not attending a meeting. Yeah. I'm spending time with people. Yeah. That I care about. And, and I would say, as we relate this to community groups, this is one of the key hurdles you have to get over in terms of people's mindset about the community group. is They have to move from seeing it as an event that I attend to a network of relationships I'm invested in. Right. Commitment to a community group is not, I show up somewhat consistently for the Bible study. Right. This is not a Bible study. It is a network of relationships where we're seeking to live as the family of God. Yeah. And so I'm trying to deepen those relationships. And there's all sorts of ways to do that. Um, when someone has a prayer request and it's time-specific, follow up afterwards and say, how did that thing go? Yeah text each other to see how you're doing. There's all sorts of ways to keep the cadence of connection going throughout the week yeah. so that your connection to these people feels more like a friendship and, and not like some perfunctory thing that happens because I'm in the same group as them. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that one commitment in itself makes the difference between a, a, a vibrant living group that transforms the people who are in it and just kind of a dead uh, once a week meeting. Uh, it really does, because of this principle of association. It's right. so powerful.
0: Yeah, and, and I would just think about it for yourself. How much time do you have to log with someone before you are really willing to talk about the deepest issues in your life? Yeah, yeah. Here's what's really wrong in my marriage. Here's where I'm really struggling with sin yeah. and and dealing with it. You have to log a considerable amount of time with someone before you think this is the kind of person that I could trust to ask questions about in this area. And often that conversation is gonna come impromptu as you're spending time together, not after the community group or at the regularly scheduled time. Again, quantity produces quality. Intentional quantity gives the opportunities for quality. Yeah,
1: And speaking from an entirely male perspective, since we are males, um, it's easier for men to talk about the important things when they're already doing something together, together mm-hmm. as opposed to, I think women can sit down and they're so relational. They can sit down and, and get to the important stuff a lot quicker than men can. Mm-hmm. But for men, if we're already doing some activity together, that seems to be when the best conversations take place.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's amazing at our our men's retreat that, that so often it's as you're doing stuff together. Now we can finally talk about things exactly as we're as whereas whereas we've uh, you know if we scheduled a time to talk about things, I don't know how it would go. So yeah. those trends are are definitely there. Um, no, I, I think that's I think that's good. Um, yeah. So practically, what are we saying then? Um, pick relational priorities first of all. You have to choose the relationships you're going to invest in, and that gets back to selection. But two, start carving out time. And carving out time is, okay, I'm going to see them at community group. I'm going to follow up with them via text. I'm going to have them over for dinner. Um, I'm going to overlap my life with theirs. Yeah. So if I'm going to do something uh, for leisure, I invite them too. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if I'm looking for someone to work out with, I invite them to work out with me. There's all sorts of ways to overlap your life with those per- people, whether or not they're a believer or a non-believer. Exactly.
1: Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna influence the people you spend the most time with, whether they are believers or unbelievers. Mm-hmm. And that means you have It gets back to selection. You can only do that with a limited number of people. Yeah, you can only go that. So to have the time to influence those people, you have to be intentional about who these people are that I'm going to be spending time with.
0: Yeah, and I think it it's really. A challenge in some ways for extroverts as much as it is for introverts, and here's why, is that I think a lot of extroverts or people who really get energized by people, they tend to go shallow with lots of people and that's what energizes them is, is having lots of different connections Where sometimes think introverts are a little better at this because they're able to prioritize their emotion their, their, their energy a little better in who to invest in
1: yeah yeah
0: uh, but, but in e- either case, you really have to say, I have a limited amount of relational energy to give. To people, so I have to see who's faithful, who's available, who's teachable, and then start scheduling out the ways that I want to just be with them. Right, right. And I think too, it's it's a
1: it's a gradual change for for a lot of us. If if you live a very intentional life, very scheduled life, very busy life, yeah, you're not going to make a a, uh, a wholesale changeover overnight. It's going to be gradually adding. And subtracting, so right. I add more time w- to spend with this person. So, which means I subtract something else from my life. Uh, some maybe some leisure activity I would do by myself. I take get rid of that so that I can spend more leisure time mm-hmm. with with this person or or something like that.
0: Yeah, and and I would come back to something that that Paul says in First Thessalonians two. Uh, it is not convenient. Yeah. labor, toil, work, night and day uh, so that we can be with you so that we don't burden you. Um, Jesus sacrificed a lot to be with these disciples yeah. Um, yeah. There were times he wanted to be alone with God and the disciples would come and talk to him and now we got to have a a, a discussion. Um, and, and so yes, schedule it, but realize that impact is inconvenient.
1: Again, it's like parenting. Um, Parent is available to their child.
0: Right. And
1: uh, that's why you can have the long-term impact.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, I think that's a good place to leave off uh, unless you have any other things you're just dying to say to I think we've we've said everything I can think of. Great. (laughs) So choose who to invest in. Invest. Create relational time and space to do that selection, association. Uh, next time, I want to say next week, but uh, <laughs> Lord willing, next week, we'll, we'll talk about consecration and just the importance of obedience yeah. for discipleship relationships. Yeah. yeah, good. Great. Thanks, Dad. Thank you, listeners. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you tuning in, and we will talk with you again soon.